0: giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now please join me as we pray for Albert. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for your body, the church that you have brought together with so many gifts. We look to you and the word to empower us and bring us together in unity for the common good. May your spirit strengthen Albert's gift of preaching as he leads us in understanding 1 Corinthians and how to apply it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning to you and welcome again to Liturgy Life. My name is Albert. I'm one of the staff here in the Mosaic Silver Spring. And I'm so glad to be able to bring you today's message. Today, we have come to the end of the Holy Spirit series. And it's befitting that we will look at the gifts of the Spirit and what it means for you and for the body, the Church. Let us start with um, this question. Uh, Where have you heard this phrase, if you're familiar with this phrase, and... Where did it come from? Citius, Altius, Fortius. Now, it certainly sounds like it came from Harry Potter series, the Harry Potter series, one of the charms, but it's not. It's the Latin word for faster, higher, and stronger. It's the Olympic motto that captures the aspiration of every Olympic athlete. Now, last year, 2020, I was sorely disappointed because the Tokyo 2020 Olympics was postponed to this year. I was disappointed because sports climbing was going to debut um, in the Olympics and I was so looking forward to watch the climbers climb faster, higher and stronger. Now, why do we like to watch the Olympic Games? Why do we like to watch athletes doing their thing? Well, I would hazard a guess that we like to watch the Olympic Games because we love to celebrate, celebrate greatness. We love to celebrate triumph. We love to see giftedness at work. Imagine Simone Biles doing her triple-double, the movement known as the Biles 2, and landing it. And when she raises her arms, you can tell that she thinks that she is invincible. Or how about our Baltimore boy, Michael Phelps? winning his 23rd Olympic gold medal, which is a record in the Games itself. Now, these elite Olympic athletes would throw in their best, would invest time and energy and effort to make sure that they're faster, higher, and stronger than the next person so that they're able to make a podium finish. Imagine for a moment, what if we take the best of the best of the Olympic athletes in their different sports and put them into a team sport, let's say basketball or soccer. What would they need to relearn? What training would they need to reevaluate in order to perform as a team? It'd be pretty hard to imagine a gymnast who's trained as an individual to be able to pass the ball so that another teammate might make the score. Well, we do see the Olympic values at work today too, here in the DMV area. We see it at work in our workplaces, our schools, our homes, because there's always a striving to be faster, higher, and stronger than the next person. We all strive to achieve the best that we can. We want to make the impossible possible, and we want to do it with our own individual effort. And when we hold the medal, the certificate, the accolade, we secretly say to ourselves, Yes, I'm so amazing. I've done it. I've done it with my own effort. Now, what if you take all the different individuals and place us in one body, the church? What would we have to relearn? What would we have to reevaluate in order to function as a healthy body of Christ? In today's passage, this was exactly the same problem for the Corinthian church. Members were gifted with different gifts. Members were looking over their shoulder because they were not happy with their gifts and because they coveted and wanted the gifts of others. As a result, there was division and discord in the church. And as a result, Paul had to write 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 to them. So today we are going to explore... The question, how do we live out the gifts of the Spirit in the church? We'll break it down into three questions. We have to ask the basic question, what constitutes the gift of the Spirit? What is the gift of the Spirit? Where and when can we use it? And thirdly, how do we live out the gifts of the Spirit in one body, the church? So let's ask the first question. What exactly Is the gifts of the Spirit. What exactly are the gifts? Let's take a look at verses 4 to 7. Let me read it for you. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If we observe verses 4 to 7, we see a series of repetitions. And the series of repetitions highlights that there are a variety of gifts, service, and activities, all empowered by the same God. If we go on further down to verses 8 to 11 and we scroll through the list, we will notice that some of these gifts are supernatural, they're extraordinary, but some of these gifts are pretty mundane, pretty ordinary, nothing surprising. If we pull in the list from Romans 12, 6, and Ephesians 4:11, and if we look at Paul's other list, we'll begin to see that there are other gifts of the Spirit. It seems that Paul is telling us that the list he has given us is not exhaustive. It seems that Paul is telling us there's many more gifts than what he has listed. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's, that's cool. That's cool to know that the list is not exhaustive. But what about talents? What about skills that you pick up? What about, as someone might have said, skills that if you have, that if you have a particular set of skills, skills that you have acquired after a very long career? So interestingly, if we flip back into the Old Testament, we do see that God has also give gifts of the Spirit to His people, Israel. What are those gifts? Those gifts involve sewing, arts and crafts, and masonry. Isn't that interesting? And if we look at those verses, arguably, there's no indication of that those gifts being supernaturally given. It is not as if a man sleeping and waking up the next day The previous day he didn't know how to sew, and the next day he becomes an expert tailor. In fact, scripture shows us, and it's probably the case, that the people who were skilled in sewing, arts and crafts, and masonry probably learned their skill, went for training, job apprentice, were probably a job apprentice, and became really good at it. So what counts then as the gift of the Spirit? Well, it's safe to say that if we take all these passages together, that the gifts of the Spirit encompasses both the supernatural, the extraordinary, all the way to the more ordinary, the more mundane, the skills and talents that God has given. Now, if we believe that Christ is sovereign over all aspects of our lives, if we believe that Christ knew us even before the creation of the world, if Christ has intimately shaped and molded us through ordinary and extraordinary experiences, if we believe Christ has taken us and placed us in our family, placed us in our school, placed us in the community, in our workplaces, then it's not so surprising to say that our natural talent and skills that we pick up are really not from ourselves. They are solely given by the grace of Christ. Natural talents and skills can be seen in this light. When we become Christians, the Spirit harnesses and the Spirit releases what we've learned for His given purpose. Richard Hayes, the Bible scholar, gives us a helpful perspective. He says that when we become Christians, we go through what he calls the conversion of the imagination, in which we understand our new identities our gifts, our experiences, our talents in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to discount the supernatural gifts. Both the supernatural gifts and the ordinary skills and talents that we pick up are but from one source, God himself. And we see this emphasized in verse 11. Let me read for you. All these are empowered by one God and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually, as he will. Perhaps a more helpful and practical grid to understand the gifts of the Spirit is to ask this question. Can the gifts be used for the common good? Can these gifts be used for the common good of the Church, the body of Christ? This question will help us untangle ourselves from the jungle of whether this is a gift or this is not and instead helps us to focus on using the gift to serve the wider body. Let me be clear. Every Christian has a gift, and that gift is to be used to serve for the common good. Now that we know what the gifts of the Spirit are, naturally the next question would be, where and when do we use these gifts? Well, the context of 1 Corinthians 12 was was written to the context of the church, we and the list of gifts listed out in First Corinthians 12, can find their place in the worship service, when we pull the various lists together from the New and Old Testament, we realize that these gifts are not confined to the Sunday gatherings. Gifts of administration, gifts of mercy, spill over to the Mondays, to the Saturdays of the week. In fact, if you think about it, you only need a handful of people to run liturgy life. Does this mean that the Spirit has given gifts to many others in the church that are not to be used? Surely not. The gifts are intended for the common good of the church, and it's to be used in the everyday life of the church members. Perhaps here the description of the church by Abraham Kuyper, the former Prime Minister of the Netherlands, and who is also a Reformed theologian, is helpful. Abraham Kuyper said that the church can be seen as both an institution and an organism. The church as the institution is responsible to preach the gospel, to build members up, to edify them, and to carry out ministries. Whereas the church as an organism are made up of members of the church living in their communities, using their gifts, to win people over to the gospel. The result? The church grows both in maturity and in numbers. So when and when are we to use our gifts? Well, we need to use our imagination here to expand the places and times where we can use our gifts. Yes, we should use our gifts in the church ministries here, and we should also use our gifts in the community out there. Now that we know the what, where, and when, the next question is how do we live out our gifts? Well, if we go back to Corinth, they had a problem. They had a problem of understanding their gifts. The church members in the Corinthian church were either undervaluing their gifts or they were overvaluing their gifts and people. As a result, some of their people in the church, the members of the church, felt inferior. Left out, sideline, because they didn't have certain gifts that they wanted. And some of the other groups of the people in the church grew in pride and judgmentalness. Now, to understand Paul's assertion a little better, um, it'll be helpful to play a little game of would you rather? So, are you ready? Okay. So, would you rather lose both hands or both feet? Give you a second to choose there. Maybe some of you say neither. Well, I will hazard the guess that most of us would rather lose our feet than hands uh, because our hands are so dexterous. They can be used for so many different things. Now, the second one, would you rather lose your sight or hearing? Well, I hazard a guess it would be hearing. Uh, Because it is so hard, it's so challenging to navigate our everyday life without our sight. With this perspective, let us look now at 1 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 to 17. Let me read for you. If a foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. This was the problem of the Corinthian church. There were some members going around saying, because I don't have the ability to fill in the blank, to sing, teach, or I'm not a good conversationalist, I don't feel like I'll belong, that I belong to the body. Now, there are dangers here of undervaluing ourselves and the gifts. The Spirit gives. The first danger is that when we decide to pull away, when a Christian decides to live independently from the body, we reduce our effectiveness in the body. And we also reduce the effectiveness in the body as a whole. A body without feet is really hard to move, a body without ears can't hear at all. We are all reminded that your gifts. Are needed. Every gift is needed. The second danger is can you imagine what the body would look like if everyone had uniform gifts and experiences? Can you imagine if the body turned to one giant eyeball? Perhaps like Mike Wazowski in Monsters Inc., minus his hands and feet, one big giant green eyeball? Or even worse, can you imagine the body as being just one huge, ingrown toenail. A disgusting sight indeed. Well, when members of the church are overly homogeneous, we risk the pitfalls of groupthink, we risk risk not seeing our blind spots, and we risk missing areas for repentance and growth. Friends, our God loves diversity. The true and living God Reveals revealed that He is one and three persons. The Trinity is the divine expression of unity in diversity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it should not surprise us that God seeks to grow diversity in His church. D.A. Cousin once remarked that he heard someone said that when God sends a snowstorm, he makes each flick different. While we, we manufacture ice cubes. We try to flatten our likings and try to turn everyone into ourselves. We try to make mini-me's. So how can we live out the diversity of gifts that we have? Well, here again, Richard Hayes' reminder is helpful. We need a conversion of our imagination. Well, it's easier for the more obvious gifts. If you are skilled at teaching, teach. If you are skilled at showing mercy, show mercy. If you are skilled with, and if you have a musical talent, sing louder or lead in worship. What's well, harder for those of us who are younger and perhaps those of us who have not so mainstream gifts? Here, the practical and helpful grid, the question, can help us again how can I use my experiences, my skills, my talents, my giftings giftings that have been given for the common good of the church? A very good example is our involvement in the Good Neighbor Partner Program. And we're really excited because we've been placed with a family and the family is coming in two weeks. So if you're gifted with a driving license and you do not mind driving a huge truck, use your gift. If you are gifted with the ability to source for items, free items of good quality, use your gifts. If you are skilled at assembling furniture, which a lot of us are not skilled at and not talented at, use your gifts. If you are skilled at making a room look hospitable and comfortable, use your gifts. If you are great at taking pictures, drawing, being creative, Use your gifts. Now, If you like soccer, or if you're a climber, or if you like swimming, you could also use your likings and your skills and abilities to invite uh, this family along to your activities. There are so many ways to serve. Over the past year, a lot of us were inevitably blessed with extra time. We can use that time as a gift to serve the community through packing food with Kingdom Fellowship. If you are blessed with the ability to speak different languages, use your gifts. Will using our gifts cause us? Yes, definitely so. When we step into a role, when we desire to use what we have for the common good of the body, we can expect it to cause us, to inconvenience us even to have our work and study schedules changed. Why? Because when we go through a conversion of imagination, the Spirit stirs in our hearts ideas on how to use our gifts. And oftentimes, that may clash with our personal our private plans. So be creative. Ask ourselves, how can I use my experiences, my skills, my training, my talent and gifts that I've been given for the common good of the body of Christ. And pray. Pray for courage. Pray for courage to step up the plate when the Spirit gives you ideas on how to use them. Now as we conclude, we see that (coughs) living out the gifts of the Spirit is not an easy (coughs) task. especially when we live in a culture that is very individualistic in nature and achievement-oriented. We measure ourselves by things we can do and things we cannot do. And we allow that to define who we are. But the gospel gives us a different narrative. The gospel tells us that our membership is not based on what we can do or what we cannot do. It's not based on what we have Or do not have. It is solely based on the completed work of Christ. Thus, when we are part of the body of Christ, the one body of Christ, the Spirit calls us, beckons us, moves us, stirs us to relearn what it means to be a community of one body, a community with diverse gifts. Friends, it is the person and work of Jesus that unifies our diverse gifts into one community and harnesses it for the common good. So unlike the Olympic athlete who looks around to see whether his or her position is jeopardized, the Spirit has given us gifts and has beckoned us and called us to look around, to see and look for opportunities to serve one another. Some of our gifts will stem from our experiences, our talents, the skills that we pick up, which the Spirit will use to unleash for the common good. And some of our gifts are a little more extraordinary. Well, whatever our gifts may be, the Spirit desires for us to use them and not hide them for the common good. Yes, in most cases, it will cause us. In most cases, it will inconvenience us. But we are reminded that we have a savior who inconvenienced himself in a huge way to take up our burdens so that we might not only live but we might be instruments to minister to one another so let us end here by listening and reflecting to paul's exhortation in 1st corinthians 13 as a reminder of the mindset and the heart that we should embrace when we exercise the gifts that the Spirit has given us. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Christ's completed work on the cross. And we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We thank you, Lord, for giving and equipping your church with a diversity of gifts. We thank you, Lord, for the experiences for the skills, for the talents that you have blessed each and every member here at Mosaic. Help us, Lord, to discern how we are to use these gifts that you have given for the common good of your body, the Church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.